0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour. Oh my goodness, of course I am grateful and I am so, so grateful for the teachings of A Course in Miracles and the benefits that I have received from practicing them. And that is my topic today. It's so funny. I sat down to make this recording and the way I do it is I ask spirit, what am I to talk about? give me the direction and I got very clearly talk about how you've used it to change your life so here goes (laughs) let's start with a prayer I place my hand on my heart and I am grateful grateful to take this holy breath of love and gratitude Rising up on waves of gratitude for the teachings of A Course in Miracles and for all those who have helped to bring them to our awareness. We are grateful to every aspect of spirit, manifest and unmanifest, that has assisted us in recognizing A Course in Miracles as a pathway for our liberation we are consciously choosing that liberation here and now and we are sharing the benefits with all of our brothers and sisters because we are one with them so grateful to choose healing now so grateful to choose freedom now So grateful to stop playing small and to live in our true identity. We're letting go of the false self and we're standing in the real. In gratitude we let it be. We allow it to fully be made manifest and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, indeed. All right. Well, where do I begin? Where do I begin? (laughs) Uh, I, in my mid-twenties, so this was the mid-eighties, I was living in Manhattan on the Upper West Side, and I started meditation. It was around the time of the harmonic convergence actually I feel like I was being prepared for that explosion of energy that the harmonic convergence was and I started to meditate reading some spiritual books and going to services at Lincoln Center with Eric Butterworth and the unity church services there I started to have spiritual conversations. I started developing a spiritual posse of friends and prayer partners who I was on this journey with. My mother, my precious mother, recommended that I read Shirley McLean's book, Out on a Limb, which lit a fire in me. And then I went to Shakti Gawain's Creative Visualization and her Living in the Light books. And started reading Eric Butterworth books, and things began to shift and change for me and Then a big uh, shift for me was there were so many things that went on i I went into a time of feeling quite suicidal, and i that also catapulted a lot of things, and for me, my experience feeling suicidal was that I had no hope, and this is true for people who feel suicidal, there's no hope that things could ever, ever get better. There's just no hope whatsoever. And the thought that it would continue like this for the rest of our lives intolerable uh, to the personality, to the ego personality. And so I didn't kill myself, as I've said many, many times, because I loved my family so much. I could not do that to them. They had poured so much love into me. I just couldn't do that to them. And so, and and, and I would say also that one of the things I had was, on some level, Spirit was telling me, you have inner resources. I didn't consciously understand that, but... I I feel that there was that Understanding there Everyone has inner resources And Some people have been too traumatized To recognize their inner resources So there's no point in comparing ourselves One to another I'll just say that I chose To continue and Not knowing how I would do it Except that I would be drinking and smoking pot sometimes, and um, I just things like that to try and get me through it. And as many distractions as I could find, I would find a way to get through life. But I had concluded that. It was not possible for me to be happy in this world because everything that I had thought would make me happy did not succeed in making me happy. And I'm so glad that all of that really came to a crescendo in my mid-20s because then I could uh, start again. Mentally, In some ways, although I was starting from a very low place and a place of very intense shame, because right after I, I sort of flipped into that suicidal thinking, um, I got fired from a job, which actually was really good for me. Because that job was not healthy for me. So I got fired from that job. And then I was so embarrassed that I got fired, I couldn't even tell my closest friends. (laughs) That's crazy. But that's how ashamed I was. And so um, I was trying to pick up the pieces, find another job, that kind of thing. And fortunately, I got hired back to the New York Shakespeare Festival and to work with people that I loved, that loved me. And so that was a very good thing. And that was nurturing to me. And I was going to spiritual services at Lincoln Center, starting to have these conversations, meditate, read these books, uh, because this was all about 1987. Is when this was happening and so fast forwarding a few years I, I moved in with a boyfriend for a couple years and uh, had a lot of experience with special relationship <laughs> and that really um, was hard and difficult and also very helpful to me uh, on my spiritual growth, and then I had an opportunity to go live at my parents' house in Maine, which uh, now belongs to our family, and we rent it out in order to hold on to it. Uh, and so I was there for a few years on the Deer Isle, Maine. You can, if you want to, ever look at the house you can go to the events page at jenniferhadley.com and there's a, a promotion there for it. We rent the house most of the year. Just keep a little bit of time for ourselves. And the few years that I spent in Maine, I did a lot of other things, so I'm just skipping most of that stuff. Uh, The couple of years in Maine, living there and having a lot of time to myself and working simple jobs, waitressing, bartending, bookkeeping, really, really helped me find that humility, get rid of my arrogance, it's funny now and I think of the devastating things that happened to me in my late 20s, the late 80s. They really propelled me into this time of introspection uh in the house in Maine and which was really good for me. I did a lot of writing there and then I got advised that I should go to California, apply to film school. And become a screenwriter or a TV writer. And so I decided, I would love to learn, so I decided to go and get my master's. I had an undergraduate degree in theater to go and get my master's in screenwriting. Applied to USC, UCLA. I got in. I went to USC graduate screenwriting program, which was a huge coup because so few people get in, at least back then. And... Uh, So that took me to L.A., which is where I started going to services at Agape right away, the Agape International Spiritual Center with Michael Beckwith and Nirvana Gale and and the wonderful people there. And then when I completed my master's, I went into the pre-prayer practitioner training and then the practitioner training and then, into ministerial school because I realized once I got my master's and I had no luck selling any of my scripts, although all the agents said, I can sell all these scripts. You're a really good writer. I just need you to write like a big action film right now because that's the only thing anybody is buying. And I didn't know how to do that. And so I said, I sat with it and spirit, and I said, what do I do now? And I got, go grow your consciousness, and then come back to the screenwriting. So I haven't gone back to the screenwriting. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I have no attachment to it. I do love writing dialogue and story. And I, so I went on all that other training to become a spiritual leader, teacher, counselor, etc. And I'm so grateful that I got on this path. It is definitely the path for me. I I don't ever regret it for a second, even though I could have made a lot of money working in development in L.A., story development, things like that. I, I just know I could have been very successful doing that. But... Because I'm really good at story and figuring out why stories don't work, um, and how they could, and I, I just knew that was not for me. I just money was not important to me. It just wasn't. I couldn't sell myself for money. I couldn't do that work just for the money. And I, I. I ignited such a passion for spirit. Oh, my gosh. And it just overtook me. I became really just someone who only wanted to talk about God. <laughs> and you probably have heard me say that if uh, I had friends, it's, we're going to have a party. Some of my prayer partner friends and uh, like on a Memorial Day or Labor Day weekend, they're going to have a backyard barbecue. Everybody's coming over at 2 o'clock. I'd say, how about if I came over a couple hours early, help you get organized and set up, and we could just talk about God while we're prepping everything? My friends would say to me, sure, Jen, you can do that. Sure, we can co- you can come over and talk about God. So um, <laughs> it just... To this day, there's nothing more interesting to me than talking about God. And uh, as a, 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 an add-on to that, before I felt that way about God, what I used to say was there's nothing more interesting to me than you and me and what's going on with us. That That's how I felt with my friends, with the people in my life. And I still feel that way because to me it is talking about God. If we're understanding that, oh, this is my personality, this is the body. I am not my personality. I am not my body. I have them. And I, the spiritual being that I am, the I am that I am, it can have a conversation about how my personality is giving me these thoughts and these experiences and still I am not the personality, I am not the body. I am so happy to talk with friends, loved ones, folks I know about our lives and what's going on with us. From a God perspective, from a spiritual perspective, there's just nothing more interesting to me. There's no movie that's more interesting. There's no vacation, no activity that's more interesting to me. And uh, it's I have a deep love for humanity. So once I got out of once I got into my final year of ministerial school which did not turn out to be anything like I hoped it would be. I hoped it would be this great mystical exploration with like-minded souls, and it wasn't that at all. It was at the Ernest Holmes Institute. It was very intellectual, and I actually dropped out for a while and went back. And But the final year I was in there, I said... uh, Actually, at the end of 2005, I said, next year, I'm going to do A Course in Miracles. And so that's what I did. I started looking at A Course in Miracles in 2006, 2007. I started with the lessons. And for me, as soon as I got into A Course in Miracles, really into it, doing the lessons, then It was all I wanted to talk about was the teachings of A Course in Miracles. So I started a study group on the phone. And even though I was so new to A Course in Miracles, I still led the study group. And people were always asking me, what does this mean? What does that mean? And it made sense to me. It really made sense to me, A Course in Miracles, from the beginning pretty much, as I've said many times. And But it was working those principles, really applying them and living them from my heart and working it all day, every day to the best of my ability that transformed my life. So I know for a fact, because of my own work and working with um, thousands of people, that when we do the work at the level of the mind then it does transform our emotional experience, our intellectual experience, meaning our thoughts and our beliefs, and it transforms our physical experience, our body experience, and the circumstances of our life. And what I am very clear on now is that everything begins with a thought, And that's the teaching of the science of mind that I studied at Agape. That first there's the thought and then things manifest in form. When we hold the thought in our mind, because our mind is the mind of God, it has to manifest in form. We don't know how it will manifest in form. But it will be manifesting in form. So anything that we're experiencing in our life that's manifested in form, like our finances or our health or our relationships or how we feel about ourselves or our home, our work, all these things that we're experiencing in the world of form, the they are all generated by our thoughts and our beliefs. And we can say, oh, I know that to be true, but still we we don't know it to be true if we're ever blaming anyone else or anything else for what we think and what we feel. If we're blaming anyone, if we're not taking 100% responsibility, then we don't have a grip on our true reality we are buying into the illusion so one of the things that's been super duper helpful to me as it is to every course miracle student is to really understand be willing to know and and really cognize recognize the section on the responsibility for sight, which is chapter one, section two. And in there, it, it says, We have repeated how little is asked of you to learn this course. And it's just the small willingness. That's all that's asked of us. And Jesus says, The little gift you offer, which is the willingness. The little gift you offer to the Holy Spirit, for which he gives you everything, it's the very little on which salvation rests. This tiny change of mind by which the crucifixion is changed to resurrection. So he says, this is the only thing that you need do for vision, happiness, release from pain, and complete escape from sin, all to be given you. Say only this, but mean it with no reservations, for here the power of salvation lies. So this is the big thing right here. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience. And I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked that's it. And then he says deceive yourself no longer that you are helpless in the face of what is done to you. Acknowledge but that you have been mistaken and all effects of your mistakes will disappear. So this is the active practice of a course in miracles and this is what I began to rigorously practice. So we We don't even have to read all the lessons and do all of that. As I so often say, pick one thing and just work it hardcore all day long. So this is a perfect thing. For me, I spent uh, at least a couple years just working love holds no grievances. doesn't mean that I wasn't studying, reading, and absorbing the rest of the teachings. But my hardcore practice was remembering i cannot hold a grievance and remember my true identity i cannot hold a grievance and be miracle minded i have to choose one or the other so i decided to truly live a course of miracles and that's why i began the living a course of miracles class series which we did for years And also I started the com website, which has so many resources, most of which are free for people who'd like to start study groups or they have a study group. They'd like to promote a study group. Um, There's free classes and there's all the podcast episodes and so much more at com. So responsibility for sight, being willing to take responsibility for how I see things, how I interpret them, the meaning I make of them, and taking responsibility for my emotional life, not blaming one other person. So uh, we were talking about this in Masterful Living this week and talking about how What about when other people hurt you? They hurt your feelings. It's not possible. That's an illusion. Other people cannot hurt our feelings. We have to agree to be hurt. We have to agree that somehow what they said or did has real meaning to us we have to interpret it through the lens of we're not lovable we're not good enough something is wrong with us we're bad or we wouldn't feel hurt because if a perfect stranger said the same thing you wouldn't feel hurt it's because of the uh, weight that we give things and the meaning that we make of it that we feel so devastated and so hurt. It's because we're willing to forget our wholeness, our divinity, our magnificence, that we are the light of the world. If we're willing to remember our Christ identity, we won't feel hurt by the things that people do or don't do. But as long as we're identified with the small selfish self, playing small, thinking that we're not lovable and what other people think of us means so much to us, that's when we get into the place of feeling hurt. Oh my gosh, we're already at the break. So, (laughs) more to come, more to come. I'm going to focus the whole next half on how my life has changed. All right, don't go away. I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. (laughs) <laughs> so we're talking about how I transformed my life with A Course in Miracles, and so, as I was saying, when I was in ministerial school my last term, I, that year I said, okay, I've pretty much done all the ministerial stuff now, I have a light load, I am going to focus on A Course in Miracles, because I'd heard about it for years, and I just I didn't have the bandwidth for it because I was doing I was working full time and going to school, and it was a heavy load uh, to me to do all of that. And so, uh, and I I all the pre-practitioner classes to become a prayer practitioner at Agape, and all the internships and all the different things that I did when I was in the practitioner training and then in the ministerial school that was nine years of my life doing that intensive study and so I got to the point where I finally felt like I had some room in my mind and my life to really work with A Course in Miracles and so I began looking at it. I, I got into Disappearance of the Universe with Gary Renard, which uh, I just loved that book. It was deeply transformational for me. And that really catapulted me into A Course of Miracles. So if you haven't read Disappearance of the Universe, I highly recommend it. I feel like it's the most important book I read because it, it just... Got me to really deeply dive into a Course of Miracles, and I started my study group right at the beginning of me doing the lessons. So, uh, I began working certain principles of a Course of Miracles, which I talk about all the time in the podcast. So you're never upset for the reason you think. You've given everything in this world all the meaning that you it has for you. you. I don't know what anything is for. I'm responsible for what I see and I choose the feelings I would have. Love holds no grievances. These um, pain is a wrong perspective, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things that I talk about endlessly in the more than 600 episodes of this podcast. Working those thoughts in a dedicated and devoted way is what did everything for me. So the beginning of it was at the very beginning of A Course of Miracles, simultaneously that same year, which was 2006, that the beginning of that year, I decided, essentially, I was going to teach only love. I said, I'm going to focus on love, love in my mind, love in my heart, love in my words, love in my actions, love in my communications. And that was... And is quite literally the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. It was the most challenging thing that first year of deciding I am focused on love. And that's why I say my favorite lesson is love holds no grievances. Because you can't know who you are. You can't know who sent you. You can't know the truth about your life and being and the unity of all life. You can't accept the atonement for yourself. You can't wake up from the dream of separation if you're holding grievances. You cannot do that. can't hold grievances and wake up you can't hold grievances and be happy you can't hold grievances and live a course of miracles you can't hold grievances and be happy be joyful be what you are in your true essence and nature the grievances hold the light of the world in us and it hides us from ourselves from ourselves No matter that other people can't see it, in a sense that doesn't matter because what other people see is our projection, their projection. The only thing that matters is getting rid of the grievances. Then all the clouds are gone and we can see the light of the world in ourselves. So until we commit to that, Things will not change. We will continue to struggle with the unconscious guilt and the conscious guilt. We will feel guilty. We will feel ashamed. We will feel bad and wrong and unworthy of love as long as we hold grievances. To me, that is the crux of it. If we just focus on that, everything else... Will awaken in it our awareness. We will begin to truly recognize that still small voice in whatever way it's sharing with us—mentally, uh, signs outside of ourselves, or seemingly outside of uh, the the thoughts, the feelings, the 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 literal voices that we hear. Because many people do actually hear things and I have from time to time actually heard a a voice speaking to me a disembodied voice speaking to me not not a lot but I have had, had a few times anyway all of that will come through to us our inspiration intuition divine downloads we will begin to actually hold on to our ahas so All of the training and all of the stuff that I did for years, everything that I went through and every spiritual book I read, because I read plenty of them. I mean, I remember uh, like old books like Emmanuel, uh, and um, I don't know, it doesn't matter. All the information that I collected for years and years and years, that held my ego's interest. And my willingness to become more patient, to become more kind, to practice patience and kindness, gentleness, Uh, my willingness to see, oh, that's a mean thought. It might not serve me. My willingness to hold my tongue and not say everything I thought my willingness to begin to stop blaming other people for how I felt. All of that was developing slowly in my 20s, in my 30s, and into my 40s. But it was not until I committed to holding no grievances so that I could recognize the peace of God was already mine. The joy of God was already mine. The prosperity of God was already mine. The wholeness of God was already mine. All the spiritual qualities, the creativity, the beauty, the harmony, the abundance, all of these spiritual qualities are already given to us. We already have them within us. That's our basic identity. That's our beingness. That's what God is all the time. It never stops. It never changes. That is the unchanging nature of our being. And every time we give ourselves permission to hold a grievance, we're going to feel the backlash of fear, guilt, shame, all of that negativity. It gets stirred up every time we give ourselves permission to hold a grievance. Because when we hold a grievance, we're confirming we are not the light of the world. We are confirming that we are not good, we're bad, we're wrong. Every time. Every time we hold a grievance. Every time we give ourselves permission. And we have developed a habit of constantly holding grievances. I know I've talked about this a lot. So for me, once I, I, I really got focused, hyper-focused on noticing every little disturbance in the force... You know, remember in Star Wars, there's a disturbance in the force. That, you know, this is the Holy Spirit speaks to us through all these different movies. That's why uh, a lot of Course in Miracles people love movies. Because we can enjoy these stories within the dream, and they are speaking to us. They are showing us things. And they are teaching us over and over and over again. The Matrix, Star Wars. There's so many. I won't list them all now. And and been doing it for years. Go back to Shakespeare: Romeo and Juliet, King Lear, uh, Macbeth. All of it. All of it. Even the lighthearted Much Ado and and Midsummer. All of it is helping us to see the truth. And the truth is, if we're not willing to see the light of the world in our brothers and sisters, if we're not willing to see the light of the world in ourselves, what do we see? Darkness. Because the light of the world is only in ourselves and our brothers and sisters. It's nowhere else. And I would include animals in, in that too especially since I have my dog and my cat, Bodhi and Sattva. But A Course of Miracles is very clear. Our brothers and sisters offer us salvation. And the salvation comes when we're willing to see the light of the world in them. And if we're not willing to see the light of the world in them, we won't see it in ourselves. It's easier to see it in them than it is in ourselves because we're more convinced of our unworthiness than theirs. We find it easier to love other people than ourselves. Even the most intense narcissist, if you scratch that surface, if you drill down, you will find self-hatred. You will. So, this is our brothers and sisters' office, offer us the salvation. So, in my commitment to hold no grievances, I very clearly saw I had so many grievances about everybody in my life. Everybody in my life. And as I began to really let them go, and how did I do that? I would literally realize, oh, I am doing this mental, compiling my grievances, ruminating on my grievances. I'm dedicating my life to my grievances right now in this very moment, cataloging my grievances, justifying my grievances in this moment. I just... I can feel it. I can see it right now. Holy Spirit, help me right now. I'm not interested in these. I'm no longer subject to these. I release them to your healing. I'm willing to let them go. These thoughts are meaningless to me. I don't ever want to think them again. Take them out of my mind so that I can... Be free of them and do the same for anyone else who has these kinds of thoughts. And sometimes I really, truly was only willing to stop suffering over my grievances. I wasn't actually willing to let them go. And it took me a while to see, oh, you think you don't want that grievance anymore, but you can't let it go yet. You still think it has value for you, Jennifer. So as long as you think it has value for you and your identification with the ego and your love of separation, the habit of separation, as long as you think that grievance still has value, then the Holy Spirit cannot take it from you. And what I, my personal understanding of it is when we are 51 percent more willing to let that grievance go than to hold on to it. Whatever it is, it's, they should have done this. If only they had done that. They stole my money. They stole my retirement fund. They slept with my best friend. They um, said I'm an idiot. Whatever the grievance is about. They didn't invite me to their party. They... Uh, They never do what I want Blah, 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 blah All those grievances Are really, truly That we can't seem to let go of Are really, truly Activating The beliefs that we have about ourselves They are triggering The beliefs that we have about ourselves So, for instance, um, the fact that they don't return my calls in a timely manner wouldn't really bother me if I loved myself, if I felt good about myself. But I am connecting toxic dots. Oh, they don't return my call. Because they don't respect me. And they don't respect me because there's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. I'm a bad person. So I'll give you an example. Like um, Sometimes I call somebody that doesn't call me back. Sure, like everybody else in this world There are people I call It could be somebody in the government It could be somebody at a company I need some information from them It could be somebody That is in one of my programs That I care about That I'm um, uh, Concerned about Or I just want to check in on It could be a friend of mine It could be a family member Right? They don't call me back They don't text me back in a timely manner, or ever. What I see now in my life, I feel very good about myself. I feel very good about what how I live my life. I feel very good about the choices I make. I feel very good about how I'm um, showing up in the world. I, I I There are places where I think, oh, I, I could do a little more there, but eh. I'm not choosing that. So obviously, that's not my priority. And I think, uh, but I don't think, oh, I shouldn't do so much of that. Uh, you know, I just more like, oh, I should do, you know, I, like this morning, I was thinking, you know, I think I could just play a little bit more with Bodhi or maybe just pet her a little more. And, and, Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Because I was petting her this morning. Uh, we do a morning ritual, my, my dog Bodhi, where I I pet her. And when she was a little little puppy, I, a smaller puppy, maybe she was 40 pounds, 50 pounds, I would massage her. Uh, once she got over 40 pounds, I would carry her up and down the stairs when she was only 40 pounds. But Once she got over that weight, it was a little harder to carry her up and down the stairs. And she didn't like it anymore. She wanted to go up and down by herself. But she wasn't used to going downstairs. Downstairs was harder for her, so I would... Um, massage her upstairs and get her to really stretch her muscles we did a thing I called stretchy stretchy and she loved it I loved it and that was our morning thing for five minutes or so stretching and massaging before she would go down the stairs because she would have an easier time than going down the stairs if she had really stretched so anyway this morning, as we were doing our stretchy, stretchy massage she i would say okay that's that's that you know after a few minutes, and she was like, "No, I want more," and so did a few more minutes, and then I was like, "Okay, that's that." and she was like, "No, I want more." and so I thought, "You know i 'm going to give her a bit more during the day i 'm going to give her little massages i 'm setting that." thought into my mind. Will I do it? I don't know. Will I think of it? I don't know. I'm not going to put it on a to-do list. It's it's out there as part of my what kind of day would I like to have? I'm holding this in my mind. But if I don't do it, I'm not going to feel bad. I'm not going to I prioritized other things. And maybe one of the things I prioritized is watching something on television or talking to a friend or I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to feel bad about any of those choices. That's the thing is, I don't feel this, I'm not triggering a lot of unconscious guilt because I've worked to remove that stuff from my consciousness. And therefore, if people don't return my call, if people don't text me back, I don't feel hurt by it. This is one of the conversations we had in Masterful Living this week. I don't feel hurt by that because I am not giving it the meaning, right? I've given everything in the world, including every text message, every phone call, everything, all the meaning that it has for me. And I choose the feelings I would have. So I don't choose feeling hurt about what other people are doing or not doing most of the time not 100%. I do notice that with um like a couple family members I can get triggered into a little bit of hmm with that. But it it used to be a big uh big giant never ending seeming well of hurt that could get triggered. And I would feel sick to my stomach, and my heart would ache, and I would just go uh, off on a mental tangent that just would, just blah, 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 blah. And, and that doesn't happen anymore. That does not happen anymore. So I could talk about all the ways my life has changed, uh, because of this difference in my life. I'm not holding grievances. I'm not getting triggered into hurt, into fear, into guilt, into blame, into shame, into regret, and to resentment. Now, I won't say it's 100%, but it is a high percentage. I don't even know how to really, is it 90%? I, I don't know. But I have watched myself go from being a Dedicated, committed grievance holder, grudge holder, that like, I am never giving these grudges up, these grievances. I have a catalog of my grievances that I will never relinquish. I will always hold this against you. That's how I was when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, uh, and well into my. 30s and early 40s and then I and all the spiritual work I did through my later 20s the last half of my 20s my 30s and early 40s I was circling around it and I was definitely as I said developing the capacity to be more present more patient more kind more generous of heart more loving more thoughtful uh more mindful etc But it wasn't until I went, okay, that's it. I'm all in for love. And that requires me to give up every grievance, every grudge. And they're attached to each other like spider webs. And I have found that if I give up a particular grievance, it will clear a thousand with it. And this is what I am dedicated to. And this is how... I used the teaching of A Course in Miracles to transform my life. So with every passing day, I notice I'm more peaceful. I'm more happy, more harmonious. I feel more loved by the universe. I feel more connected to spirit, to my own true identity. Not 100%. I'm fine with not 100%. I'm totally fine with that. (laughs) I love working on this every day. And if you do too... Get into some of our programs at the Power of Love Ministry. You can go to jenniferhadley.com. We've got Finding Freedom coming up. Stop Playing Small coming up. Finding Freedom's on an early bird right now. I invite you to check them out and join us. Now is the time of our liberation. Now, this now, right now. All right, I'm going to place my hand on my heart and say, I am grateful and thankful for the love of God that is our true nature. I am grateful for the peace of God that lives so fully as our very life and being. In gratitude for the healing that we accept right here, right now, we share the benefits with everyone. We are willing to see the light of the world in our brothers and sisters. We are willing to see the light of the world in ourselves. We allow the grievances, the grudges to dissolve, to resolve permanently back to the root cause so we never experience them again. We allow the healing. We accept it fully. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. I love and appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Mwah.